Hello and welcome to All About Fertility podcast. I'm Ella, your host, and I hope all is well in New South Wales. We're back in a second lockdown and we have to keep on pushing on and stay safe and keep each other safe by staying at home. Now, we had our very first virtual expo on the 26th of June, which was fantastic. And you have up until the 26th of July to access all of the resources and watch the session videos. Um, And I will put in the link, the show notes, if you haven't registered. So the last episode, I spoke to a sperm donor and the wonderful gift he's able to provide families to achieve their family dream. And I was actually surprised that there is a shortage of sperm donations. However, egg donation, there is a wait list of up to two years. That doesn't stop the want or need to have a family. So what do you do if you require an egg donor or a sperm donor and you're not able to get it in your home country? Well, I speak to Saga Kisuri from Cryos International. And Saga is a healthcare professional with a background in clinical embryology and fetal medicine. Saga's background specialty is clinical embryology, and she has vast experience working in the fertility field. She often provides expert opinions as a fertility specialist on current topics at the BBC World Service and in Channel 5 news programs. So grab a cup of tea or a coffee with a biscuit and enjoy the show. I'm here with Saga Kasuri and she is from Cryos International and we're talking all things egg donor. Now, we know that there's a shortage of egg donors in Australia and, you know, many people who require um, an additional help with um, creating their families go overseas. So I really wanted to touch base with Saga and um, talk about Cryos and their egg donation and what it means for everybody who, you know, wants to go overseas and um, to use an egg zone, because I was talking to a friend recently who is going across to um, overseas um, and she's using an egg donor and it's, and it's quite difficult, especially traveling in a pandemic. Um, And she's had to jump through a number of hoops um, to, to um, have treatment. So welcome, Saga. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Ella. And uh, I say hello to all your listeners and viewers. Uh, and I hope that the conversation today would be able to assist them in whatever choice they make with regards to um, egg donation and whether they stay in Australia or whether they decide to travel abroad. Mm. So, look, it's always lovely to get to know a person and, um, you know, looking at your background, you have such a dedicated history. And this is dating from uni, um, your interest in genetics and art. So did you choose art or did it choose you? (laughs) Kind of both. Um, (laughs) I think... um... I, I remember precisely the day Louis Brown was born and I heard it on the radio. I was, uh, I was a child and mm-hmm. I was so excited. I wanted to know what, what this is about. How can you create a child in a, in a lab? You know, uh, but of course, in, in my mind, I, 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 I imagined 
this this um, this process very differently. Um, as I grew up, I was always interested in, in medical sciences, so I uh, joined my uh, medical sciences degree and was quite adamant to go into cancer research until my one of my very last modules at the university was embryology. And I remember sitting in that lecture and I was just mesmerized. I couldn't believe what, what an amazing subject this was. And, um, and I rushed down after the, the lecture and I haunted my, uh, my lecturer for days and weeks to come uh, until he told me how I could get into this field. And I literally started applying and applying until I got a position. And then from there on, I went to do, I was one of the first students in UK to uh, mm. do a master's in pre-implantation genetic diagnosis uh, and bring the genetic side to the embryology side, in a sense. Mm. And, uh, and I have never looked back. I absolutely, passionately love this film. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you so much for your passion. Oh, it is just, yeah, it's great to see. So could you, not many of us may know what cryos is. Um, now, we don't have cryos in Australia, but you do have um, it in in Denmark, and it's been around for a... More than 33 years. More than, yes. Yeah, in Denmark, yes. Oh, 30, yeah. 33 yeah. years. There you go. Um, and you have your branch in the US. So just for our listeners, can you just tell us about Cryos and, and what you do? Sure, sure. So Cryos is the largest uh, sperm and egg bank in the world. Um, we have been around more than 33 years. We have four locations uh, in Denmark. And then back in 2015, we opened the, the tissue bank, so sperm and egg bank in US which has been very successful and very soon we will open our first uh, egg bank in, in Europe as well. Uh, so watch the space. Uh, but uh, yes, we've delivered to more than 100 countries. We work with many IVF clinics around the world. Um, we have we've actually got the largest selection of donors for our sperm and egg donors. And we are actually in the Guinness Book of Records because we've got more than one. Wow. Yeah, we are more, we have more than 1,000 donors in our database. And um, and the highest pregnancies uh, from our, our donor sperm and egg in the world as well. Um, we have free access uh, online for, for search on our donors. Uh, our aim and mission is to, to produce and have always done uh, to produce the highest quality of donor sperm and eggs uh, that we can provide oh. to patients and to IVF clinics. So if you ask me what is the vision of Cryos, our vision is to help uh, people uh, realize their dream uh, of having a child. Uh, and we want to help them regardless of their background, their ethnicity, their religion, their marital status, um, their sexual orientation and so on. So it's hugely important for us. And, um, and we have built a very good uh, loyalty and brand with our customers, whether they are patients or whether they are hippies. Mm, that's wonderful. I mean, I'm not sure whether you um, um, know my story, but, you know, without having a donor, 
um, we wouldn't be able to have our daughter either. So that's why I'm so passionate uh, about advocating for, you know, the donor programs and, you know, having, um, you know, giving everyone an option and giving them the opportunity to hear about, you know, ways of creating their family because there's not just one wheel. We know there's not just one way, but there's also not just one way of, you know, seeking a donor. Um, yeah. There's many avenues. And I think if we know about it and our options, then we're that one step closer to exactly. you know achieving our family. Exactly. And we dreams. We appreciate that for many of our patients, uh, when they come to us um, to find a, a suitable uh, sperm or a donor, they have by that stage left no, no stone untapped. They have tried every possibility to have a child. Um, mm. And when they come to that stage where they have made the decision to go uh, and get help with a third-party donation um, to be able to achieve their dream, um, sometimes it can be a very sensitive time for them. So uh, that's why mm. our customer care, they are experts in, in dealing with, with uh, patients and customers that may be going through a very transitional period in, in their treatment. Mm. And we are there to give them all the support we can. Which is fantastic. Um, so let's take it to um, the very beginning um, and, and talk about your your process um, in finding donors. Um, now, not everyone can be a donor. Um, and you seem to have quite a uh, cryos seems to have such a rigorous process when it comes to who donuts and donates and only 4% from hundreds of applications are actually chosen. So what are the criteria to be a successful donor? Sure. Sure. Um, because it's so important that we be our, um, helping patients and helping IVF clinics to be able to provide this treatment for, uh, for patients. It's so important that the quality of donors we have and the quality of the eggs or sperm that we collect and, and uh, freeze are top quality so that we can give this maximum chance to the patients and to, to the clinics. That's why we, we've got to have this, uh, this really rigorous process, as we said, in place. Um, also, because we are an international bank, we, we provide our donors at, uh, to different country standards. For example, UK has certain requirements, Finland has certain requirements, Netherlands, and so on. So we try and make our donors as much as possible uh, screened according to many of these country standards so that they are available to as many patients as possible. And therefore, yes, they, the more tests you do, the more screening you do, the more chance of unfortunately losing some of uh, the donors through the system. So, uh, but that's that's the reason why we, we can say that uh, the quality of the eggs and sperm uh, we get from our donors are very good. So they must be healthy, both uh, physically and psychologically. And this is through all the screening we do. Um, through uh, um, physical screening and also the independent uh, psychological assessment we get done uh, for our donors. So they go to an independent counsellor. We make sure the donors are happy. We make sure that they know what the process involves. What does it mean to be 
an ID release donor or a non-ID release donor, even looking at whether they would want to discuss this with their future family, because just as important is the quality of the egg and sperm, just as important is the process of donation, because these donors, um, with a low compensation rate that is allowed in, in, uh, in Europe, um, we would like them to have a, a good journey so that they do come back um, because this is an altruistic act of what they are doing. So number one then is healthy psychological and physical uh, profile that they need to have. Our egg donors are between the ages of 18 to 32. And uh, we aim to go for, for uh, uh, around 20 to 32 uh, as much as possible. Most of them have uh, some kind of higher education. They are either students in universities or they just finished education and they are uh, in, in occupation of their choice. Um, they must meet our, our criteria of uh, body mass index, of having the right hormone levels to make sure that they can produce a good number of eggs. And uh, we take test them for genetic uh, screening. We test them for STDs, which is sexually transmitted diseases. Um, and, and basically a gynecological assessments they will have. So the whole screening process takes a long time from the time that the donor applies to the time we actually uh, can manage to freeze the eggs and remove the eggs and freeze the eggs. It can take up to about three months. Uh, and that whole three months is spent on screening them and um, making sure that they are healthy. Wow, that's amazing. So the 4% so, is really from 100 applications. Uh, yeah. Probably only four make it all the way to what we call all-site pickup, which is the, the time they actually produce things. Mm. So, okay, so if you're using an egg donor, and we know that we can't guarantee the quality of the egg donors until it is actually an embryo, so... You, you've mentioned about the, some of the tests that you already do to help assist you with that, but what about further in order to um, ensure that, you know, you, you've got some good quality embryos there or, or, or eggs to sure. create healthy embryos? Do you, um, do you do any, like, genetic testing on them um, to, you know, to make sure or look into their family history? Is there anything else that you might go, you know, that little step further than just, you know, doing um, STD tests and, um, sure. yes, yes. you know, the tests that you mentioned? Um, Ella, I have to disagree with you slightly. Um, we can guarantee the quality of our eggs and that's why we have a oh. guarantee program where, if, oh. if, yes, if uh, patients... Uh, obtain six eggs from cryos and uh, if there are no major issues with the sperm because of course uh, a good quality embryo and, and uh, pregnancy needs both good quality sperm and egg so if the sperm is, is not so there's no male factor issues we guarantee our eggs mm. so if the patient doesn't get blastocysts or a pregnancy we will provide mm -hmm. six free eggs for the next treatment. Mm -hmm. And the reason we do that is because of all the rigorous testings that we do on the donor. Mm -hmm. We have a very detailed look at the family history of the donor. Mm -hmm. We go back to grandparents, aunts, uncles uh, from both sides, paternal and 
Hamilton outside and we get this family tree of how healthy they are, whether there has been any issues and so on. Um, and, and of course, our genetic testing as well. Uh, what you mentioned quite interestingly on uh, whether we can do genetic tests on the actual eggs. Um, Unfortunately, um, there are some tests that, uh, that are advertised that, uh, that give an impression that they could be helpful. For example, there is first polar body testing that some clinics or other banks may do that uh, give this false impression that if we test that, we know that the egg is healthy. Well, that's not the case because that is only looking at part of the genetic of the egg and not the full genetic of the egg. If we want to look at the full genetic of the egg, we have to destroy the egg, take the nucleus out and have a good look at it. So um, by doing first polar body testing, the patients end up paying more money for each egg, but the information they get is not as useful to them because it takes, as we say, two to tangle. It takes the sperm as well to know what the quality of the uh, embryo will be. So I think we can do so much on the testing on the egg side uh, that is looking at the donor, do, what donor lifestyle as well. So not just the backgrounds, you know, uh, whether the donors drink alcohol, whether they, they smoke, uh, their general lifestyle is something we pay a lot of attention to. And we do refuse donors to that heavy smokers or heavy drinkers. Um, and the reason for that is we know that uh, these will impact the quality of the eggs. It doesn't matter how old they are. I do a lot of work with universities uh, across Europe on uh, fertility awareness. Uh, you know, what kind of lifestyle can act actually impact the quality of your sperm and egg? And therefore, mm. um, you know, we we try we're trying to educate at the same time uh, the young uh, boys and girls because. One, for the, their own health and for preserving their fertility for future, but also if they decide to be our donors, we would like to have as many donors uh, that are, are healthy themselves as well. So, yes, going back to the question, that can we guarantee the eggs? We do guarantee our eggs. And uh, we've been quite successful, and that's one of the reasons why uh, with our um, US egg bank, we have over 75% uh, clinical pregnancy rate. And that goes to show that uh, obviously we spend a long time uh, on assessing uh, the quality of donors we, we get. But also one other thing that should be mentioned here is that we have uh, a process that when we, uh, when patients or clinics obtain eggs from us, uh, from our bank, um, we uh, find out which clinic they want to have treatment. And if that clinic is not what we call a reference clinic, which means we have physically gone to that clinic, we go and vet that clinic, we make sure the IVF lab is up to a greater standard, a gooder standard, and meets uh, all the quality control system that we, we would expect. Um, those reference clinics, we actually teach their embryologists at our own expense. We go there, we teach them how to use our eggs best. So how to thaw our eggs and get the best results out of them. Because our freezing technique we have developed over uh, quite a few years, which is vitrification. And we developed that from the fact that we have frozen and tested thousands of eggs, basically. So every time we freeze eggs, we randomly remove eggs from 
freezing test and make sure there is a good survival rate and that they, the quality of the egg is good even after freezing and thawing. So we have this reference clinic. So when patients want to go and they want to use our guarantee program, we suggest that they use our reference clinic or we go and, and see the clinic they want to have treatment and we provide some, some training aids and we train the embryologists ourselves to make sure that they can best use our eggs. Wow. Goodness. It's, it's, it's so in depth. I didn't realize. Yes. And that's, uh, that's been the success of Prius so far. Yeah. You really do look after, look at every aspect to make sure that you get a success rate. Yes. Because the success Um, rate of patients and success rate of the clinics is is mirroring our success rate. That is where we get, uh, you know, our results. And this is why it's hugely important. For example, in the US, as an example, we worked with more than 50 IVF clinics across the US and and some in Canada as well. And imagine in each clinic, we have one or two embryologists that have been trained to use our eggs. So that's about 100 users. So it, uh, the rate of survival we get for our eggs and the rate of pregnancy we are getting for our eggs comes from 50 different locations at least and maybe about 100 users, which are the embryologists. So we must make sure that we can, we can assist them in a unified technique that works best with our eggs and therefore this success rate is theirs and ours at the same time. And of course, build trust and, and uh, reputation with, with our, our, our clients, whether they're patients or they are victims. Like I was looking into some of the technologies and the techniques of defrosting, um, uh, defrosting the embryos and, you know, technology is always evolving and it also means that you must be literally on the forefront of what is out there in order to have the best success rates. Yes. Um, that's, yeah, that's amazing. Yes, I'm, yes. I'm really impressed. Wow. We are now um, also doing a lot of scientific uh, research. And, uh, of course, right. with the pandemic, uh, that has been forefront uh, uh, on our scientific team, uh, forefront of the research. And we published a paper out on COVID recently, and uh, we are vigorously working towards uh, quite a few research that will be published uh, in the coming month as well. Wow. Have you found that the, um, I mean, obviously the pandemic has affected everyone in some sense. Um, and have you found that, um, you know, you not being able to travel around has stopped the process in, you know, helping intended parents um, and that, the, you know, moving forward? Or have you managed to find, um, you know, a way around that? Uh, we, another. Yes. yes, we found a way around it. Uh, we humans never give up, and if you are <laughs> if you are determined to to help others, you will do it. Um, mm. So we we even managed to do our our training of embryologists online. Uh, in order right. not to stop patients' treatment, because uh, a lot of the ladies that need egg donation treatment, they are already uh, majority of them above the age of 40, so time is of mm. an essence. 
And uh, because we didn't know when we could actually uh, be able to travel, we developed and practiced and developed and practiced the system of being able to send the training aids and then with video conferencing in the lab. Uh, so the embryologist is sitting in their lab, we are in our lab and we are teaching them how to use mm. our eggs and so on, uh, which is very mm. similar to what the embryologists are used to, except that we have tweaked the program a little bit to work even better. So, and again, yes, we've had a number of pregnancies, even during pandemic, uh, by being able yeah. to train our uh, our collaborative embryologist, which has been great. So we did find a way to do it, but it's, the human interaction is always so much nicer. I can't wait for yeah. being able to, to start visiting <laughs> clinics again, uh, you know, really. But coming back to the pandemic, we stopped production, both the sperm and eggs, uh, because we didn't want to risk. We luckily have uh, so many choices available on our website and a lot of donors on our website available for patients. Mm. We didn't need to risk uh, and, and, mm. and produce sperm and egg, uh, donor sperm and egg during uh, the really um, worst periods of the pandemic and especially at the beginning when no one knew what the outcome would be. So we completely stopped production in all our departments uh, internationally mm. and uh, and then we slowly, slowly, as we had more information from, uh, you know, the reputable and reliable sources from WHO, from ESHRA, from ASRM, when these recommendations came out, we slowly, slowly implemented them and reopened uh, the bank for production. Mm, fantastic. So going back to you, you, you said that you um, have a large database of donors, which is just fantastic. And we we know that um, infertility has no um, it doesn't discriminate, and you know it, it from whatever culture, sexual preference, it doesn't really matter. Um, it just does not discriminate whatsoever. So, would you say that um, you know at times it's at the best of times, it is quite difficult to find that donor match for an intended parent. Um, but what if someone has is coming from a different ethnicity? Would you say that you've got a, a broad range of yes. donor lists? Yes, we do the hard work. Uh, the hard work is that um, we, we uh, purposely have plans and strategies in place that we can have as many phenotypes, as many ethnicities and uh, backgrounds as possible to, to be able to uh, give this choice to the patients. That they can choose someone who uh, is uh, phenotypically, or at least look-wise, as similar to, their, mm. to themselves as possible. Uh, for example, we work with a number of universities that have international students and, you know, uh, we try and, and, and recruit as much as possible through uh, marketing in focused areas so that we can get as many. Mm. Of course, you know, this is a work in progress all the time. We um, we know the demands of our patients, what the demands are, and um, and the ethnicities that are very short to come by because for various reasons, some ethnicities or or, or nationalities is very difficult to get uh, donation, and uh, we are trying not only to uh, channel our 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 search and marketing through certain ethnicities, but also to 
have an educational role in a sense that uh, to remove this taboo and to remove mm-hmm. uh, or to break these um, culture barriers that stop people from mm-hmm. donating. Because some, unfortunately, with uh, with some um, communities, it's actually seen as giving away your baby when you are donating your sperm and egg. We know that sperm and egg are cells and giving away is not giving away your baby. Women lose about a thousand follicles, up to a thousand follicles every month. They uh, they have a menstrual cycle every month that they ovulate. So, uh, about a, up to a thousand follicles are recruited, and only one egg becomes the egg that is ovulated and released. So all that extra follicles that contain premature eggs go to waste. And it is few of those that you lose every month that we tap into and remove to be able to uh, use for donation for couples and and, and singles um, and uh, to, to be able to have the treatment. So um, we work in education uh, quite a lot, in education of what is donation. And, and let's not forget a lot, when blood donation came out first mm. or organ donation came out first there were worries there were taboos there were concerns and and rightly so and and it only became more norm in a sense when the public the media uh in the education centers it was talked more and and uh, this mm. fear uh, became less and less mm. Absolutely. And I think it is about, you know, breaking those certain taboos or uh, cultural, you know, differences in cultural upbringings, what you've been, you know, told after generation after generation, and those do need to to break. And yeah, I totally agree. But that's amazing that you're doing, you know, such amazing work in these communities in order to try and break those barriers and those taboos. That is, you know, that's remarkable. We're hoping that, uh, you know, we, we, uh, Kragos aim is not just uh, providing uh, healthy donors, but also providing a platform where patients can easily discuss uh, their uh, fears, their worries, their mm. concerns. They need to find a reliable information. We have all of our fertility websites that we created as mm. well. Um, so, and I think this is what has brought uh, asked to the attention of patients that there, it is an all round. So we do a lot of educational work with regards to our donors because they are, they are the ones that are uh, are allowing uh, us to provide the service that we do to our IVF clinics and our, our patients that come to us. And I think it's hugely important that their role and their dedication and their altruistic act, um, you know, is is appreciated um, for what they are doing as well. So, for example, an egg donor uh, will go through uh, weeks of medication, self-injection. You know, for women who've been through IVF, they know what it means. It's exactly the same process. We need to, you know, we need to stimulate them to produce more eggs. And therefore, they go through the same thing. They will have the mood swings, the emotional up and down 
that any woman going through IVF will have because of the impact of the hormones on the body. Many of them, unfortunately, may not have the support system uh, in their family and friends, and therefore they don't tell them that they are doing donations. So they go through this journey completely on their own, and therefore we are there to, to protect them, to be, uh, be the friend and the family that they need to have during this process and this journey. So our donor coordinators are trained to support uh, the, the donor from the start to the end of their journey. So uh, when you look at it, we, we must maintain and look after the well-being of our donors. We must maintain and look after the well-being of patients and IVF clinics through providing high-quality spreading that we can give them. And, uh, and this, is, this is something, and also the educational and the research side of it. Mm-hmm. And these are, these are the strategies that Carlos has so far successfully implemented. Mm, wonderful, wonderful. Um, so when an intended parent selects an egg donor, can they see whether the donor has donated it before and had any live births? Yes, 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 of course. Uh, when they go on our website, there's huge details on, on uh, every, every test the donor has had and the family history and a very detailed Q&A, we call it question and answers. And also within that uh, process that we see somewhere that would say proven first, uh, proven pregnancy and it says yes or no. So they can immediately know if done. Of course, that is continuously being updated and it's dependent on, on our patients and clinics quickly replying to us and saying, yes, we've got a pregnancy, we've got a live birth. Uh, and therefore, yes, um, it, they can see that. And also we are uh, aiming as much as possible to go for donors that have got proven uh, fertility. But of course, it does sometimes get difficult because uh, in the age range we're looking to get those, those healthy eggs from. They might still be, uh, you know, in universities or they have not settled down to have their own babies yet. Mm. Mm. Um, Now, I understand that one of the main drivers of traveling overseas for treatment is because of waiting lists um, in Australia. I think it's about two years um, to be on the wait list for an IVF clinic. Um, what are the other reasons that you find women are traveling overseas for egg donation? Um, yes, uh, waiting list certainly is one of them. And as I said, because uh, patients can be of the, uh, over 40, sometimes it's, mm. they don't have much time to wait and it makes it very difficult. So it becomes one of the main reasons, that, but also costs. For example, in some countries, egg donation is very, very expensive because uh, many clinics do fresh egg donation, which means that they have to get the donor. Um, first, they need to wait until they find the right donor that, that is suitable for the patient uh, and then try and stimulate the donor and synchronize the, uh, their cycles and so on. So the cost mm. becomes expensive because they have to pay for the cost of the donor medication and everything. So cost can be one, one aspect. Um, I live in UK and uh, the cost of egg donation can be something around 10 to 15,000 pounds. Whereas if patients travel to other European countries, 
uh, that have more donors available, the cost would be as low as £5,000. So uh, the cost is, is one driver. Um, the lack of available donors, as you mentioned, the waiting list, the lack of available donors really is, is another major driver, but not only the lack of available donors, the lack of available donors of the certain ethnicity or phenotype that we may wish to have. Um, so the, the donor choices become very, very limited. There is also the national regulations in the country that the patient may leave. For example, uh, in Germany, egg donation is banned, it's not allowed. So if mm. you are in Germany and you are a woman that needs egg donation, you have no choice but to travel. Um, some countries allow egg donation only for, for example, married couples, uh, or they won't allow it for same-sex couples. Um, so these are different regulations and limitations. Sometimes there is an age limit. So some countries might have an age limit of 45 years old for the recipient, which means that if you're 46 and you've tried everything and you haven't managed to get pregnant, then you have no choice but to travel. Um, so marital, social status, um, donor anonymity, your country that you reside may provide just allow you to do one donor anonymity status, which means either ID release or non-ID release. And it could be that for whatever reason, personal reason or otherwise, you would like to have a donor with another anonymity status. Maybe you don't want to really uh, tell your child that, uh, that, that their existence came as a result of a donation or maybe you do want to. So depending on what anonymity status you want the donor to be, that becomes an And uh, last but not least, um, success, success rates. Um, some mm. countries and clinics are showing uh, very good success rates with donation because they do so much of it. And therefore, um, you know, patients, when they know they have to invest so much time effort and finances they want to go to where they get the best results uh, and therefore the, the uh, success rate and the patient journey becomes uh, very very important to them so these are some of the drivers that patients choose to travel and whether patients choose to travel whether they decide to stay in their home country to have treatment uh, uh, we believe that you know we should be able to help both types of patients with collaborations. Uh, and this is why we produce donors with so many different standards. Uh, so we call them standards like UK standard, Netherlands standard, Finland, uh, Israeli standard, and so on, so that we can cater for these patients to stay home and have treatment with our eggs in their home country. Mm. So you mentioned a few times that um you know, that you work with IVF clinics. So if someone from, you know, who's listening to this podcast is thinking, okay, I want to investigate using cryos, what would their first port of call be? What, what would, you know, what's their first steps? First step is to have a look online and perhaps find the donor of their choice. Or if they wish, they can actually, if they want to decide where they want to have treatment, whether in their homeland or whether they want to travel, then the best thing I suggest is please speak to our customer care team. Um, they are very experienced. They can advise you, for example, if you are in a country that doesn't treat same-sex couples, they can tell you which other countries can treat uh, same-sex couples or unmarried couples or married couples of certain age and so on. 
um, they can help you with these different regulations in different countries, depending on your uh, background, your, your social status and so on. Um, they can also guide you on which donors you're able to use uh, their eggs in which country. So, and also the reference clinics we have. So it's very important that the IVF and the donation law of each country is quite clear before a patient wants to travel to that particular country. If you would like to receive, for example, eggs in Australia, we can, we can assist you because certain states actually have different rules to different states. Um, our our uh, customer care can, can assist you. Um, we have a very uh, strong infrastructure in place on where our donors are uh, gametes are sent and how many pregnancies we have so for example we have in uk rule of 10 families so we know exactly how many uh sperma straws of a particular donor being sent to uk and what number of pregnancy we are getting close when we get close to that 10 family we block the donor uh for the use in uk until we have some information back on how many pregnancies have become live birth. So we have what we call pregnancy quota, and we can keep a very close eye and block the donors in certain countries. We can do the same in Australia as well with uh, different states that have different regulations with regards to how many yeah. children can be born. Mm, mm. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, yeah, because it's, it varies so much in Australia with state state to state that, that's why we have a very good legal team uh within cryos mm. that are continuously looking at different regulations that are changing and we have to keep uh you know we have to keep on top of this to make sure that we are providing uh gametes that have been tested with the right, right standard and right right regulations in place and also you know where uh our our, our needs are with, with our patients and our clinics so what would you say is the um, important factor to consider when you're traveling overseas for treatment? What is it that a person should um, yeah. you know, be aware of? Yeah. Certainly the laws in the country that they're going to, to make sure that they can have treatment there. And they can start uh, that by speaking to us and, and uh, we can guide them through it or by speaking to the IVF clinic they want to have treatment with, just to make sure that for whatever uh, background they are, uh, that they can get treatment in that country. And of course, success rate of the clinic is hugely important. Um, they, they must be uh, able to, to somehow request that what is their pregnancy rate, what is their success rate with regards to using uh, donor eggs, if they have any concerns and they are using our donor eggs, we would refer them to our reference clinic, especially because we would like them to get the guarantee program that we provide. Um, but we, they must always check the recruitment process of the donors. If they decide to go with an IVF clinic that provides their own donors, what is uh, the, the, the physical and emotional and psychological assessment that they do on the donors, um, the genetic assessments as well, health-wise are the donors healthy, and of course, ethically, uh, have these donors come through at their own will, uh, altruistic act, or uh, making sure basically there's no unethical uh, situation happening. 
happening with recruitment of the donors. But also the patient journey is hugely important. If they want to go to a different country, you know, they must make sure that uh, obviously the clinic they want to go to can speak their language, that there is no language barrier, that they can easily communicate, um, that also maybe it's, it's not a bad idea to actually physically go down and see the clinic and see the staff, see the patient journey that exists there. And some, some patients might even be able to have some of their tests that they need to do before their egg donation at the clinic when they visit and also even save the sperm so uh, that the male partner can produce their sperm, have it frozen and ready for the time that, uh, for example, Prius will ship the eggs to the clinic and then they want to have the treatment. So my advice is please, please investigate and, and, and look at the sites that are um, the websites that I give you the right information. Oh, super. You, that's a perfect segue into how can a person contact uh, your, either yourself or customer service? How can they um, start the process? Yes. Um, easily. Then we, on our website, Christ International, yep. uh, they find all the information they need. They can contact the customer right. care team. We have a customer care team that speaks many languages. So even if English is not your native language, don't worry, we cover most of the languages and you can speak to someone who can assist you, who will take you through the process. Um, you know, you'd be always advised that you make a, a selection of two or three donors uh, as your favorite and, uh, and have a good discussion with our customer care team. They'll be more than happy to. Beautiful. And what I will do is I'll put all the details in the show notes. So um, anyone who wants further information can contact um, your customer care um, team um, via the website or you can give them a call. So I'll put all of those details in the show notes. Look, oh my God, I can't believe that it's nearly an hour that's passed. I thought. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that's gone fast. that's gone so quickly. That's just amazing. Um, look, so thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. Um, I really appreciate your time and, you know, it's just, I'm just in awe with so many avenues, um, to help family achieve their dreams. You know, there's just not one way of doing it. And, you know, if I hadn't have been, you know, looking at you know, looking at other ways and researching into donors, I, I wouldn't have come up. You know, I wouldn't have come across your details. Yeah. And I'm so so glad that I have because not everybody knows what to do, what steps to take, and if I can, you know, lead them or, or provide some information that can help them in their journey, then mm-hmm. you know, I. Yeah, I'm. I'm just so. Yeah. Um, and it's thanks uh, to people, uh, conscientious people like you, that are um, making this effort. Having gone through the process yourself, making this effort to give as much information to to other patients who could be at the beginning of the journey, other couples, mm. um, and and I think this is so important. The more we have the opportunity. <clears throat> to give this information to as many and many uh, people uh, in their journey. They could be at various stages of the journey, they could be at the start, 
and mm-hmm. they could be they could have as i said earlier you know they could have already been there for many years have tried they've turned uh, they've not turned any they've not left any stone unturned uh, to try mm-hmm. and achieve a pregnancy mm-hmm. and what better way to to have this discussions and then someone who has gone with themselves and does it passionately like you and uh, and and very conscientious so uh, we should be thanking you as well <laughs> thank you well thank you again for your time and um yeah what i will do is i'll as i said i'll put all of the details in the show notes Thank you again for taking the time to speak with me and I wish you the best. Enjoy your weekend. Thank you and good luck to everyone.